Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you will find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep the special service active. And I wanted to mention, Mickey said last year that it's up to 70,000 um, hits a month of people listening to those podcasts. So they're serving people all over the world. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Wendy. Um, My name is Wendy, and I am a compulsive eater. I'm also a restrictor, and I like to say recovering compulsive eater. A restrictor. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Wendy. And uh, thank you for Mickey for asking me and giving me such excellent directions. what it was like, what it was like. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved food, but I think I was normal. And then there were things, situations that maybe other people would have gone through and not acted out with food, but I did. Um, I had what I would think now is a God-sized hole, and I stuffed it, and my uh, kryptonite of choice was bread. Garlic bread, my abstinence is no garlic bread. Um, And sweets, in general, baked goods. So, you know, I matured really early, and I felt that my body betrayed me, because here I am, I'm 11 years old, and I'm built like a woman, and people, you know, they didn't know what to do with me. And I went on with my life, and my mother, when she married my dad, she was like 90 pounds. Five, three. And that was kind of my legacy. These are my adoptive parents. And so I'm already bigger than she is. I'm 11 years old, and I'm kind of fighting that. And then, you know, you have your siblings, and the siblings say, you're fat, you're fat. Well, who knows? It's just a power thing. And so I started dieting um, with a competition with family members. My father's very competitive. And he'd say, you know, he'd want to lose, like, uh, he was a normal person, he'd want to lose five pounds or ten pounds, and he'd make a bet with me, and I'm very competitive, and so I would go on some, like, Atkins diet, or I'd eat AIDS, or I wouldn't eat, or I'd do some great fruit. I started really odd kind of eating, and then I expected to become normal, because I was normal looking, and I'd get a lot of praise and attention, oh, you look great, and, and, uh, but then I'd gain it all back. And I was, I was a yo-yo eater, I'm a dieter, and I hated myself every time, but the hatred in the beginning wasn't like it was at the end, because in the beginning I still had hope that I was going to become normal somehow. Uh, at the end, I knew I was not normal. And I knew I wasn't normal when I was going to uh, Long Beach State and I was having to eat five candy bars uh, between classes because I couldn't cope. And I could say that food is my primary drug of choice, uh, but I'm also involved in another fellowship. And it was in the 80s, I guess, that there was a book that came out, Sugar Blues. And so the idea that food had an effect on how I felt was introduced to me, but that didn't stop me. Self-knowledge availed me nothing. It did not slow me down. And I'm a people pleaser, and I'm a heck of a baker. So my dad had this sweet tooth, 
And if I can make the six-foot man, not my dad, but at another fellowship, jump up and down, those are the best I've ever had, you know. I'm there the next week. Oh, it, and I'm grandiose. So it's not just that one particular thing. I've got to bring five different varieties. And, you know, I'm, I'm eating these things. It's not like I'm not eating them. I'm eating them as I'm presenting them to you because I have to taste them. Because I have to make sure they're good enough. And uh, so this is going on. And and uh, I was at work. I work in the harbor. And I was trying to stay away from sugar because this idea that sugar had an impact on me was introduced. And I turned away some candy that somebody was uh, offering. And I said, you know, I'm allergic to sugar. And he looked at me. And he went out to his car. And he got a big book. And he was a member of Overeaters Anonymous. He says, I want you to read this big book, and everywhere where it says alcohol, substitute the word food, and everywhere where it says alcoholic, put, you know, compulsive overeater or compulsive eater. I said, okay. So I thought, oh, my gosh, this is fabulous. So there was somebody else that had gotten into the other fellowship, and, uh, and I thought, okay, well, I know you're supposed to get a sponsor, and I know you're supposed to go to meetings, so I thought, you know, more guts and brains. So I jumped in there, and I asked somebody to be my sponsor. I had never heard them talk. They were male. I had no idea if they had gone through the steps. Nothing. And so this person was going to be my sponsor. I didn't have a clue. And one night, um, my sponsor called me, and I, I was throwing cargo at that time, so it was manual labor. And uh, he had had a relapse. And he called me, and he was crying, and I said, I'm so sorry that I have to get up at 6, and I can't talk to you right now. And he was very upset with me, and we had a parting of the ways, and I was so terrified to walk into the doors of OA. After that, I ran for cover. I was like, I knew I needed to be there, but I kept on being afraid that I would run into him. If that had happened to me now, I would think, you know what? Nobody can throw us out. You know, just go on to the next person. But I didn't have that presence of mind at that time. So time goes on, and I'm going up and down. I'm thinking I'm going to find the magic solution, and and it's not happening. And uh, food is connected with that other fellowship because I would, like, restrict and be super thin, and then I'd have one drink. And I'd be off and running. Who cared what I was eating? You know, the you know the gates were open, and, and you know, and then I would just be demoralized because how did this happen again? Well, if I had that, I might as well eat the whole thing. I'm a volume eater. So um, time passes, and I wanted. We were getting married. I was marrying my husband, and so I went. I did the pay and way. I went to Weight Watchers, and I was like the star. So great, you know, and and you know, I I you know I planned out. I'm not really a methodical person, but I planned out. I gave myself ample amount of time, and and they're like, oh, you should you know, you should be a speaker. You should do this. You should do that. And I was like, no, because in the back of my mind, I knew it was temporary. Every time I got thin, and I put on that thin body, it wasn't really mine. I only rented it. I didn't buy it. I mean, it, was, it wasn't me. And I just, I was just like, no, because I, I knew I was fixed. I didn't know what was wrong, but I knew it wasn't going to be long and I was going to be up again. And my husband was always really cool. He never said anything, except that when he met me, I was super thin. And then, like, two months later, I'm 
putting on weight. And he said, you know, Wendy, he's giving me a back rub. He said, you know, Wendy, you, uh, you need to do something. I'm just saying this for your health. And my mother, my normal mother who gets grossed out going to buffets, she would say to me over time, you know, you, you need to do something. She'd say, you know, I just eat a little bit, and I stop before I'm full, and then I have an orange. Well, this is my mother with 90 pounds, and she got married. Of course that's what she does. She's a normal person, but that's not what I do. What I do is I eat all of Thanksgiving, and I'm laying on the couch, you know, sedated, and then it's time for dessert, and I rally up even though I'm sick to my stomach, but I'm, but I'm a failure as a bulimic. I tried it. I couldn't do it. And um, so, you know, I'm rallying, and I'm eating until, you know, my eyes are just rolling in their sockets. So my mom says, you know, what's, what's going to happen to you, honey? Well, I didn't know I could tell her. I'm going to find a way, Mom, and I'm going to be okay, and I'm going to have a better spiritual life and better than I ever dreamed of. But I, you know, who knew what that was going to happen? So um, I ended up, after we had our son, who's now 12, I ended up wanting my body back. So um, I started working with a personal trainer. And it was great. It was amazing. I think I did Weight Watchers and uh, worked with personal training. So it was, you know, I was working with weights and I was getting these fabulous results. And my son and his little friend were at the park and they were rolling down the hill. I have a bad back. Which, by the way, I don't have a bad back anymore because I don't eat the sugar I did. So now when the chiropractor does the adjustments, they hold. But that's beside the point. So I just come from the chiropractor. I demonstrate to these little boys how to roll down a grassy knoll properly. And I mess up my back. And I'm so upset with myself because at that time, I felt like I was invincible. I felt empowered. My body felt great. I looked good. You know, I just felt like, you know, I was on top of the world. And when I hurt myself and I couldn't do anything and I couldn't work out, I put on weight overnight. I was so upset with myself. I was punishing myself. I was punishing myself and I was comforting myself and I was eating, just eating. And my trainer that was working with me kept on mentioning, you know, there's a place, you know. And he happened to have gotten into another fellowship and his life was a train wreck, but I saw him handling it with grace. And he said, Wendy, it's just a good way to live. It's just a good way to live. Just go up and check out the meetings. Well, there was a particular study that was opening up to all fellowships. and um, so, But it was on hiatus. This was October. It was on a hiatus until January. And I thought, I can't wait. I was out of my mind. So I went to the first meeting. I was so uncomfortable. I was like one of four people there. And I said, no, I know I'm new. I'm not supposed to share. And they said, no, no, we want to hear you. I'm like, oh. And I got out of there, and I thought, if I could just get out early enough, I, I could, like, go shopping or go to 31 Flavors, because I ended up in that other fellowship. Anything to take the edge off, because I was a wreck, you know. And so I went to that other fellowship for a month, and then I sat my husband down. And I said, uh, by the way, I think I'm one of these people. And he was shocked. And um, so I kept on looking for the two-for-one. What I really wanted was an AA sponsor that was OA, and I could just get it all done at once because I didn't want to have to do this twice. And uh, 
I found somebody that had uh, some experience with OA, but uh, she told me right off. She said, "You are not doing this after gently, you know, whatever way. You're you're going to have to do this on your own." And so I kept on thinking, "Oh, you know, I, you know, I really don't think I'm that other fellowship, you know, because there wasn't a lot of drama, you know. I didn't get all these other things happen. So when I joined that fellowship, so you take away one tool." I put on 40 pounds like that. Boom. And so I thought, well, I better get my butt in there. So I went to an OA meeting, Saturday 8.30 meeting, and I happened to sit next to this lady, and she's very kind, and she said, you're so lucky you got here early because a lot of the people in both fellowships, they use the food, and, you know, they, you know, it happens. Okay. But I didn't feel a part of it. And when I went to that meeting, I wasn't hearing a lot of laughter. I wasn't seeing uh, people that looked happy. I wasn't seeing people that looked happy, joyous, and free. But that's, I was seeing a lot of tears. I had a lot of judgment. And I mentioned the judgment because I recognize that now judgment uh, affects me as well as how I see you. It's, it's my eyes. You know, as far as something being good or bad, instead of it just is what it is, and you know more will be revealed. So um, I tried that time. I went to a couple meetings. I did not go to the required six that it's recommended before you throw in the towel. I did not do that. And uh, so I went out again. So then it's uh, I'm I'm 49 years old. I'm at the Enchantment Resort in Arizona with my husband and kid. I have everything I've ever wanted. I have found my birth mother, I have the good job, I have health, we have a house, we have the kid, we all the dots and the, you know, the I's that need to be dotted and the T's that need to be crossed had been achieved in my life, uh, except for the degree. And, um, but, you know, I had no reason to be not happy, except I wasn't. Uh, the other fellowship took the edge off the rage I had because I was really pissed, but uh, it hadn't. I hadn't addressed this. Still, this underlying sick, well, jealousy. If I had to go to a family event and I had to be uh, with people that were teeny tiny, and then I was going through my closet and trying to find just something to camouflage, and I'm pissed, and I'm not enjoying the event because they all look normal. They all look good. And I don't know that I'm a compulsive, that I have a disease. This is the thing that I didn't realize all those times I was trying to be normal. I never realized that I had a disease and that there was recovery. I won't be cured, but there's recovery. And uh, so I kept on trying to fit my square pig into the round hole or whatever. And, and I'm just kind of not happy. And uh, I thought, oh. So we're at the Enchantment Resort, and I stepped on the scale, and I weighed as much as I did when I was pregnant just before I delivered our kid. And I was so demoralized. And I thought, that's it. And I surrendered. I thought, I can't do it. I can't do it. I give up. I'm, I'm just going to die a big girl because... Oh, here's the girl. Excuse me. Um, I, I just can't do it. So that there's a little uh, card that's inside the picture, and that's 
how that was the month that I surrendered. So um, I happened to go to a car, uh, no acupuncturist for uh, my thumbs, and she had me stretched out on the table. And by this time, I've had uh, four years in the other fellowship. And she said, so the idea of allergy had really sunk in. You know, an allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. And she said, you know, Wendy, I'd like to test you for allergies. And I said, well, what do I have to do? Would you be open to that? What do I have to do? So she told me about the detox. And, and you know, I did this thing, and I felt lame. It was worse than it was when I stopped drinking. It was lame. I felt like I had the flu. By the way, I was eating, I was drinking two of those venti coffees with caramel syrup and soy, uh, two of those a day. You know, I was all, and um, so I had to stop that. So, and then we did this detox, and she comes back when we, our next appointment, and she says, you know, most people are only show allergy for one or two things. You've got five. She said, it may be reading a false positive. And I thought, I don't believe this. I think this is a crock. But the other fellowship has taught me to act as if. So I acted as if. I stopped eating those things. And boom, I dropped 20 pounds. So I'm, you know, going along with my life. And she's like one of these yoga swami mommy people. And, you know, I'm out of, I'm totally out of touch with my body. And I'm just like a little marshmallow. And she said, you know, I'd like you to start exercising. And I felt like stabbing her. (laughs) And, you know, I have this dog that I'm taking to the dog park. Could I be walking her? Yes. But I would rather take her to the dog park and sit down and read a book, thank you very much, rather than, uh, you know, be taking those walks. So my program in the beginning which I'm not even in OA, is I would say the serenity prayer, the third step prayer, and I would whine and snivel and grumble to God as I was doing them. And I thought, oh, but it was working. It was working. It was clearing my mind. It was some sort of prayer. So I had the food and I had the prayer. And then one day I'm talking on the phone for my two-for-one, not really, sponsor and she says I said you know it's just amazing this this weight is just melting off me and she knows as well as I do didn't really know at that time that the problem lies in my thinking it's not really the food and so she said well let's see where you are six months from now and I'm thinking, that is so unkind. And I'm thinking, not very charitable thoughts about you. <laughs> but what brought me to this program, and what keeps me in the program, is fear and pain. Because I know I didn't want to go back. I did not want to go back to where I was. I was so miserable. And so I went to OA again. This is like my third time. And I'm going to OA, and I'm of on the program, not in the program. I'm sort of auditing. I go to a couple meetings a month. Uh, I guess I'm coming in late, leaving early. I'm not really talking to anybody. Nobody's really talking to me. Um, the literature, it was, it was the, the Thursday meeting that I went to was a, uh, we'd read from a book and then we'd write 
Nobody in that room at that time had a sponsor, and nobody was working the steps. If they did, it was a big fat secret. So, so meanwhile, the ladies in my other fellowship are um, are watching me, and one of them came to that meeting, and she grabbed me, and she said, "Wendy, we have to find a different meeting. That meeting is sick." And I thought, okay. So she kind of opened the door because I kept on telling myself, it's principles, not personalities. And I had no filter, you know, I just didn't know. And so we went on vacation. My husband and I went on vacation. By the way, I forgot to tell. This is kind of a big thing. Um, One night I'm at work and I thought, well, you know, I'm really a food person and I'm just, I'm going to have to bump it up because I'm kind of like the culinary queen here. You know, I'm... You know, I like adventure. I want my taste buds to dance. And, and so, uh, you know, I just, I'm not going to be able to live like this. So I decided to go and search online for a school online, a culinary school that teaches healthy cooking. And I end up in Fort Bragg at a uh, raw fundamentals class. So I come home from that for the weekend. I'm the only one, this, myself and this other lady, out of like 36 people who are, everybody else in the room, they're from all over the world. These are exciting people, you know. And uh, they're doing this raw vegan thing. And I thought, I'll try it. I'll just see how long it lasts. So I come home from a trip and I announce to my husband and kid, you know, I'd, I'd like to try this. Boom! I lost another 20 pounds. It was unbelievable. And I felt better and I had energy and I wasn't getting sick all the time. And by the way, I couldn't sleep before. I could not sleep. I, I work nights, and I work, you know, Monday through Thursday, and I'm getting home at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm getting up at 6 with my kid, or 6.30 with my kid, and, and it's still in between that time, before I change my eating, I couldn't sleep. So, miraculously, all these cool things are happening. All these health problems. You know, I felt like the Tin Man, I, you know, before. I, now I don't feel like the Tin Man anymore. You know, I'm, I, you know, it's probably the combination of the better food and movement and all that. And, and uh, oh, this is just great. So, I come back. I'm doing the raw vegan thing. And um, I thought, well, this is cool. And then my friend made that unkind remark, well, let's see where you're going to be in a little bit of time, and I thought, I have to get my butt to OA because I'm going to lose this. It's going to be like everything I've ever done. This is just a food plan. I didn't know that I was thinking to myself, this is just, it was a moment of grace, really. And um, so I went, and then my friend had clued me off that that other meeting wasn't probably a good meeting for us. So I went to two meetings in a row, a Saturday meeting and a Sunday meeting. And a person that was kind of... uh, she was a friend, an acquaintance from work that I had known since 1985, saw me two days in a row. She came up to me, and she said, um, so, do you have a sponsor? And I'm thinking to myself, I am not calling in my food to a bunch of people that are still eating pizza, a pizza and Cheetos. Forget it. I'm just not doing it. And because I'm holier than thou. I'm eating all this green stuff, and it's raw. Thank you very much. And she said, you know, um, I'm, a, uh, I'm a vegetarian. A moment of grace, I realized that saying to God, you know, I wanted the red mix master, not the white one, was was probably not a good way to go. So I said, 
well, will you be my temporary sponsor? Because I had already been burned before, and it was, you know, I wasn't going to get married again. I was just going to live with her. And so I said, will you be my temporary sponsor? And she looked at me, and she laughed, and she said, okay, if that's the way you want to do it. And she goes, call me tomorrow. Now, I am so impressed with the people at OA that have scheduled times for calling their sponsors, because I think that we're, as alcoholics, because I'm an alcoholic, too. It's like herding cats. You know, I get to call my sponsor whenever I want. So now I'm supposed to call her at a specified time. And I have to tell you, that is the weakest link in my program. I'm really lame at that. So, you know, she said, oh, just call me when you can. So I try to make it at the regular time, but if not, then I'm sending her an email or leaving her, you know, a, something, some contact. And uh, so I'm starting to do it, and she tells me how she wants me to uh, do the steps. And I know that I'm an all-or-nothing kind of person. I'm a compulsive person. If I'm eating a bag of something, I'm eating the whole thing. I'm eating until it's gone. I started out having one or two because that's all I was going to do, but then all bets were off and I started eating. So I knew I had to be compulsive in my recovery as well. So I was off to the races as fast as you could. I mean, you know, I'm sure she was like, oh, my gosh. And... uh I did my fourth step, but I wasn't so good at the columns. And I thought, ah. So I had this, like, novel written, and I stuck it up on a bookshelf. I thought it was under the bed. And I left it there for months. And I did not do anything about that fourth step. She'd occasionally say, you know, well, how is that? And I said, well, you know, I didn't really do it right. Until there was somebody else that came in the rooms, and the two meetings that I go to, that I was going to, not the Sunday meeting, but the other two, there was very little uh, sponsorship available. And so this lady came in, and, and I thought, we need more people to be of service here. By the way, I could use a third fellowship, but we'll talk about that later. And uh, so, so I said to my sponsor, I said, can I sponsor and I said, I'll, I'll, I'll do the fifth with you. And, you know, and she said, okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. So, miraculously, I was able to find that fourth step so I could do my fifth. And I started working with this lady, and uh, she's not around anymore. And, and I really, I miss her. And there are several people that I've worked with, and I'm pretty young in the fellowship, and I'm amazed at the people that are already gone. And I don't know why I got to keep this gift, why I get to keep it daily. Uh, I have some things that I do daily. I'm not a disciplined person, but every day I'm praying. Every day I have a food plan that I'm working for, you know, with. Every day I'm exercising. These are not things that I do. So, boy, I'm a chatty person. So, um... I figure that I'm like at the trailhead of Mount Whitney. <clears throat> and my husband loves to hike. And this is how I know I'm making spiritual progress. Because what I really want is emotional sobriety, which is what still eluded me. Before when he would hike, he's like a gazelle. He's a small guy. He's light. He probably weighs 150 pounds with rocks in his pocket. And... Um, he would just, you know, it didn't matter how long he had an exercise, he would be like a gazelle. He'd be up the trailhead, and I'd be back there, and I'd be carrying, you know, 55, 60 pounds heavier, and I would just think, why are we even 
Why are we even here? And then the day he refused to buy me an ice cream as my little reward after that, you know, there was going to be real hell to pay for that because, you know, I needed a reward. Now, I get to do my living amends. I'm in Colorado with him and our kid, and uh, there's snow, there's wind. I'm thinking, this is living amends. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't this wonderful that I get this opportunity to be in this beautiful place and to be in a healthy enough state of being that I can enjoy this, that all my limbs are working, and I'm thinking, you know, that's a miracle that I'm thinking this way because that was not how I thought before. Before I was filled with self-pity, I don't have to do that anymore. I've had an opportunity to go to the um, New Freedom Retreat uh, two years, and the first year that I went, I was able to know that what you do in your recovery doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're fat. It doesn't matter if you're skinny. It doesn't matter if you're binging. It doesn't matter what you're doing. We're in a fellowship. And the thing that I have have in this program that I never had before in the solution is I have a fellowship. And having been in that other fellowship... I waited with my feet in because I had seen some instances where people felt like they were betrayed and I wasn't very trusting. In this fellowship, the most spiritual thing I can, the most spiritual gauge I have is what's on my plate. And the only time sometimes it's going to keep me when I'm not in a good spot is to make a phone call. And I've called people before I felt like I was going to binge, especially in the very beginning. And one of the ladies that I called, she started laughing. I said, why are you laughing? And she said, because I've never had anybody call me before the binge. She said, they always call me after the binge. I said, really? So I availed myself of the folks. And I had somebody calling me because they were in a bad spot. And they said, you know, what what did you do, Wendy? And I said, I pray. Because I realized... Before, I always felt kind of shallow, like, God doesn't care what's on my plate. You know, he has bigger and better things to take care of. But now I feel like, you know, I have no idea how big God is. God can, you know, multitask just because I can't. You know, he can, he can do it all. So he cares what's on my plate. He cares that I'm happy, joyous, and free. So I'm availing myself of the, of the fellowship. I have people that I talk to every single day. I, I'm not sure about that, about five days a week. And, you know, I'm able to be more present as a uh, wife and a mother. I don't feel like a rageaholic anymore because um, I'm pretty happy with myself. Instead of it being a crisis period before I get dressed to go anywhere, it's like a, I get dressed, the clothes in my closet fit me for heaven's sakes, and some of them I may even outgrow, I mean, outwear, you know. Um, it's it's just an amazing thing. The thing that I struggle with, I pray, but my meditation stinks. And my sponsor's trying to work with me with the idea. All I can do at this point is, you know, breathe in God, breathe out anxiety, or breathe in God, breathe out, you know, whatever it is that's going through my head at that time. So I don't do that every day. I probably do that about four times a week. And it calms me down. It calms me down so that I don't have to go off on people. 
uh, with the sharp remark. When I do go off on people with the sharp remark, like I did the other night at work because it was kind of a stressful situation, I get to call and make amends right away. Um, I had um, an interesting thing with my sponsor, and you know we were talking about what's the most spiritual thing you can do. The next, the most spiritual thing you can do is the next indicated action. And so in that instance, when I realized, you know, I have to clean things up right now, right today, because if I don't do it, I'm going to eat over it. So it's almost like I'm, I'm a warrior for my program because, you know, I don't care if I hurt your feelings because I'm bringing my own food to your party. Because I can't depend on you on having something that I need to eat there. I have been, I'm, I'm, I am a vegan now, but I will eat cooked things. I've been to hog chaws where there was not a single piece of lettuce on the premises. There was not a single piece of fruit. And I thought, okay, you're just going to have to white knuckle it. And guess what? You're not going to starve to death. You will be able to eat later. Just suck it up. So I've actually been able to be more of service in those instances of being able to be present in the moment, visit with people, and not be staring at the dessert table because that's what I was doing before. I could hardly wait to get through with our conversation because what I really wanted to get at was right over there. And I hope that you didn't eat too many of them. And even saying that, I went to, um, my friend got this wonderful opportunity and I'm up in Malibu and they have this beautiful uh, raw vegan non-cooking class that this lady's giving. And so I figure, well, you know, it'll be okay. So they walk around with a tray, and she has some substance. It's like nuts, and she's put it in uh, maple syrup, but it's like this organic stuff. And I was with my girlfriend that I've known since first grade, and I took one bite, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose my abstinence. All I wanted to do was grab that domed thing and run into the other room and consume it myself. And I drove home on PCH, and I was praying as hard as I could because I thought I was on a roller coaster, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I called my sponsor, and I was a wreck. And I thought, okay, what I have to do is I just have to pick myself up and keep on, keep on the trail. So now I'm at the trail at Mount Whitney again. I'm walking up, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm at the trailhead, but what I'm trying to do right now is moderation. I know that other people have traveled that that trail before. I know that other people have done moderation. They've told me they're ahead of me, and I just have to do it. I have to, before I was all or nothing, either I was perfectly good, and who could maintain that for any length of time? I certainly couldn't. Or I was awful. And I was off to the races. And I don't have to do that anymore. I can have an experience like that. I can pray to God. I can reach out in the fellowship. And I can feel the feelings. And I can write. Use the tools. Whatever it is that I need to do to take the edge off and that know that eventually one day it may take five days or whatever. And now I have that. It's almost like a precious remembering tool because I don't want to go back there again. I don't, so I'm really careful. Now, I'm, I'm brave because before I used to think, well, my life, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I'm that size. I'll be happy when I'm that weight. And I have to be happy now. I have to be happy now, and I'm not giving other people permission, you know, to make me happier. I have to, I, it's my responsibility. And that 
I've gotten that in this program in a way that I don't know why I didn't get it in any other fellowship. And so um, next, uh, in a few days, uh, my son and I, our son and I, are going to Korea. Now, I'm pretty scared. I'm pretty scared because I'm going to have to change my eating plans. But I've listened to other people in the fellowship talk about traveling. And I thought, you know what? I think this will be okay. I think this will be okay. And I may have to change it up because I changed from being that raw vegan because I realized I wasn't satiated. I was still overeating. And I realized when I got when I started working the plan and I had gone on vacation and I was laid out on the couch because I had made these treats and I wasn't supposed to, they were supposed to last me a week and I ate them in like 24 hours. Oh, I guess I wasn't supposed to have done that. So I marked that as my last binge and the day after that as my first day of abstinence. I don't do that anymore. Um, I don't usually make those kind of things. Um, you know, I'm... I'm I'm pretty careful about what I eat because I don't want to go back there. Um, I, you know, I, I think that's it for me. I, I lost steam. So I, thank you for letting me share. I hope I made a little bit of sense. And uh, for those of you that are uh, suffering, um, it's good. Stay. The only way you can crash and burn is to lose hope and just not come back. As long as you're here, you're still okay. Thanks for letting me share.